Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, dear friends, subscribers, non-subscribers, though you really should subscribe to Dunkdown Prime as we get into the playoffs. There's never a better time with the playoffs and off-season draft, all that stuff coming up to be a Dunkdown Prime subscriber. Link to that in the show notes if you're on the public pod. But it's time now for the top 10 players in the NBA, a yearly tradition. I have been doing this since 2014. It's been fascinating to see it evolve over the years. A lot of changes from last year, maybe the most volatile year that we've had i would say at least in my rankings what about yours danny i actually have not looked yet at my rankings from last year so i will have to tell you in a second but it feels it does feel Uh, that way before i've looked at it yeah yeah well we'll get a a live rank well there's one that i would say that you're pressing on and that's part of why we do this at this time going into the playoffs it's kind of supposed to be forward looking of course for those who haven't kept up with our position rankings what we do here is we're saying everyone is healthy from whatever their latest injury is and we are pretending that a season is starting right now a full nba season plus playoffs afterwards who would we want to have on our team on a random team for an entire season plus playoffs that started right now assuming that everyone begins the season healthy and recovered so Kawhi leonard he's recovered from his torn acl for example but maybe he'll have a reduced performance because he's coming off an acl tear what else do we need to talk about here by way of preamble there are important considerations on 82 games versus 16 game players and it is great if you are both of those things because if you can be the best player in a playoff series if your game fits well when you ramp up the quality of opposition then and you can still do what you do or even be better that is fantastic if you are inconsistently available to a frequency that we think is persistent so if that's you know you're always going to miss 10 games a year or 15 games a year and have a propensity for other injuries we will consider that in a certain respect and then the other big factor I like to think of it, I, I describe it in two two words that I use a lot. One is undeniability, but then the other one is versatility. And so if you if you can do what you do against everybody, that is incredibly important for a really good team. That means that you could if you were plopped on a random team, you could still do those awesome things. That's great. And then versatility is really important because if you can defend multiple positions, if you can occupy different roles within the offense without taking anything away, then that means that you could fit in multiple places as well. So if you can only fit in one way and you could pick a lot of extreme examples from Russell Westbrook over the last couple of years to 
power forwards who can't shoot or any number of other things like it's hard it's hard to make this list if you you have to be incredibly good at what you do if you can't if you can't shift your role under in different circumstances yeah certainly the versatility trying to be able to fit into different circumstances but fit into different circumstances with the goal of winning a championship and particularly at this exalted level when you're doing the position rankings the number 15 shooting guard like if you're a pretty good regular season shooting guard and you know maybe you don't have the defensive versatility in the playoffs like you know once you're down at the, the number 15 shooting guard hey like, like that's that's okay regular season teams need some love too right like getting to 45 wins some teams that's just what they're going to do right but here when we're talking about the top 10 players in the nba we're talking about how does your game play at the absolute highest levels in the playoffs trying to win a championship and how do you fit with other very good players as well because you're not going to be able to do do it all by yourself in all likelihood there have been a few one-man bands over over the years that have won championships but very very few of those so so that's a major component and also i would say too some of these guys you know we're not once you get past the very very top guys some guys may not be the number one guy on an offense necessarily but they would make a better number two than the number one guys who aren't good enough to be a number one on a championship team anyway and so some of those guys i value the best number twos over the number ones who are you know maybe below the 10th best 12th best player because at that point you need a second guy to win a championship and so that guy has more value and you those players typically fit in around stars and you know, can be in any situation they have well-rounded games no weaknesses play really valuable positions that that sort of thing and then the other thing that I can say, at least with my philosophy, and I think you largely agree, is efficiently creating shots for yourself and others. That is the premium skill in the NBA. That's what everyone is looking for, right? So at the very highest levels, that's what I'm looking for the most. Offense is also more valuable than defense. And I know about defense is 50% of the game. Yeah, defense is 50% of the game. Absolutely. On the team level, offense is not more important than defense. But the reason why I say offense is more important for individuals is because replacement level on offense is way lower than replacement level on defense where there are guys who are so bad on offense that you just can't do anything with them like they just wouldn't be able to score in an empty gym whereas even the worst defensive players especially if you have help behind them like they can get some stops every once in a while guys are going to just miss shots etc whereas on the other hand on offense especially at the highest levels like you can't hide a lack of offense and so i think the worst offensive player the gap between the best and worst offensive player to me is larger than the gap between the best and worst defensive player so that's why this is going to skew heavily towards offense defense is definitely very important but it is somewhat secondary unless it's your defense is so bad where you feel like and you play such an important position that you're not necessarily going to be able to you're stopping your team defense from being at the absolute highest level needed to win a championship so i think that's about all i've got here uh i guess i i'm just i've probably moved down also to waiting the regular season even less than i have in past years because the regular season has just continued to decrease in meeting and also i think it's become less and less representative of playoff basketball even in the now this ninth year that i've done this 
and certainly compared to where it was maybe 25 years ago that playing really well in the regular season is less evidence to me of your ultimate effectiveness in the playoffs and ability to win a championship than it ever has been so that's yeah, something i think, else that I, think that's, I think that's fair like it, and at, towards the bottom of the top 10 i think i value it a little bit more just because sure. it can it can get you there and getting getting there is important I, I think that's definitely definitely part of this all right anything else we need to talk about here i guess i guess we should probably reiterate since we might get some new listeners on this earmuffs for everyone who's listened to this so many times of just how we're working the tier system right so the way that you and i have approached this over the years and continues and probably will for the duration is within a tier we're saying you can credibly argue player a over player b or player b over player a that means if we have players within the same tier and one is number four and one is number six the why do you have this person over that person the that that stuff i i'm not going to pay too much attention to that however when a player is in a different tier than another that is saying there is a qualitative difference in between these two and we're saying that it is that I would not, and not under any circumstances, but under most under most circumstances, would not take player A over player B. And so there, that is a real that is a real difference. And if you think maybe even player B is better than player A, then that's something there, or that they're in in the same conversation. But that is broadly how the tier system works. All right, tier one, number one, who you got? I seriously considered two players here. I had I bounced the order a little bit um, over time, and it is hard because there is the 82 versus 16 here. But I ended up going with Giannis Antetokounmpo, number one, which is a huge rise. I just looked at it from where I had him last year for a couple of different reasons. I do think that Kevin Durant, what he does well is incredible and he can do it against anybody. And there is, I mean, he is unstoppable at his absolute best, even in that series when they lost to the Bucks. But what gave Giannis the advantage for me is something that we've seen over the course of this year, which is just the his ability to not not unilaterally, because the Bucks have lots of other talent. They're a phenomenal team to be the driving force simultaneously in the regular season for successful offense and successful defense. That is a very rare combination, while also last year being arguably the most valuable defensive player and a valuable offensive player in the postseason as well. He was in that crucible. He did not a perfect job, but a damn good one, had an unbelievable finals coming off of an injury. And so Giannis, I think, gives you a significantly better chance of getting there because he's more he provides that value on both ends. He does. He is more durable in my eyes than Kevin Durant is as well. But he also is a phenomenal playoff performer as well. Yeah, so my tier one is two men, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kevin Durant. Did you have KD in the same tier as Giannis? Yes, and they are the only two in that tier. Yes, so so we're in agreement there. Uh, we, of course, don't discuss these beforehand. Yeah, do you have, have, K- have Giannis yeah. one or KD one? No, I have KD number one. Okay. Um, And there, there's a few reasons for that. I mean, the number, number one was... These guys played in the playoffs last year and KD outplayed Giannis. Would you agree with that? That, is, that I would agree with that, yes. Yeah. So like that to me should mean something. Now, everyone's a year older. KD is more of an injury history. I understand that. And these guys are in the same tier, right? So the reason they're in the same tier is because you can make arguments either way. Giannis is more defensive value. KD to me is more offensive value. Do you agree that KD is a better offensive player than Giannis? I do. So I, I, do, yeah. I do think that the margin between them, broadly speaking, on offense is narrower than the margin on defense but we'll get into that 
Yeah. And actually, I would have said at the end of last year's playoffs, even even after the, the great, you know, Giannis came back from the injury in such incredible fashion, he had the 50 point game against Phoenix. Even after that, I still would have had Kevin Durant in his own tier because number one, he was so unbelievable in that Buck series. But number two, that I still had some questions about Giannis that, you know, even after that net series, you know, I thought Giannis had two really, really good games in that series. Other before that, I thought he actually really disappointed as did the entire Bucks offense in that series and um so Giannis to me the reason he now is in the tier with KD is one just you know another year of age two KD another injury and kind of a freak injury of someone falling into his knee but Giannis hasn't had a long-term injury that we've seen Giannis is younger obviously but then also I would say two huge things for Giannis number one he's hitting his free throws a lot more this year and hopefully that will continue into the playoffs where he historically has been worse but maybe the but the other thing is that he's totally changed his routine as well there are reasons to think that he's better he doesn't do this you know the 15 seconds you can't count all this stuff but he totally changes routine which I think is much better. So I am of the belief now that he's not going to be going below 50% from the line all the time in playoff series, which he was, or, or playoff game. Number two, he's continued to add to the diversity of his scoring package. And he's now shooting jumpers off the dribble. The three-pointer, I don't think that's really much better. I'm not a huge fan of him taking those unless he's just left wide open and in rhythm and feeling it. But the fact that he can now like put guys in the mix and pull up for a mid-ranger that's a credible threat that you can't just let him have he's improved his right-handed jump hook game as well and so he has credible ways to score where now you can't just guard him with the center and just stand under the rim and wait for him to get there in the half court like he actually and he's also improved his pick and roll game as well so the fact that he's brought a little bit more isolation game to the table now and he's i think he's a little bit less athletic than he was a couple of years ago but he's made up for that with increased smarts you know, he's skill too. Yeah. yeah, he plays incredibly and, and increased skill. Yeah, and he plays incredibly hard. Obviously, he's you know, probably the hardest playing guy out of this uh, top ten. I would argue, but. I do think that Giannis is a harder fit than Kevin Durant. And I think now with this having him having played with Brooke Lopez now this fourth year or paired with Bobby Portis, but you've actually seen the Bucs because Brooke Lopez has been injured all year. You've seen the Bucs defense slip. And part of that's just been the malaise and Drew Holiday hasn't been as good and all that. I get that. But they've had to play Giannis. They haven't been able to play him next to another center. Like you can't play Giannis at least and get good effectiveness next to a normal center you have to have a guy who can shoot on the offensive end and now and that's just a hard that's hard to find either you're going to sacrifice defense like they have to with body portis or you got to find brooke lopez and there's you know four or five guys like that in the league who can defend the position well and also shoot the ball so it's just harder to fit it and then if you have someone who can't shoot now you're just in much more difficult straights offensively and Giannis won't be as good offensively in that scenario at center so kd he can fit in on any team we've seen it a billion times he can come off screens he can have the ball he can set guys up he can post up he can even be a role man in in pick and pop he can do anything on the offensive end and fit with any kind of talent he obviously he can space the floor he's one of the best the most ridiculous spot up threats that we've ever had with his size when you've seen him like in the olympics where he's just gonna shoot right over the top of his own or something like that so kd can fit on any team Giannis, it's a little bit harder so that was what ultimately swayed me with putting kd and and KD is solid on defense too when he brings it, which is, you know, a rarity. You know, he's not 
a candidate for best defender in the playoffs potentially the way Giannis is but that's why I went ultimately with KD sorry for that long discussion but any reaction to that and and why you had Giannis above KD again noting that we both see it as extremely close what I would respond with I I agree with your misgivings about Giannis for the most part but my counter it's interesting that we saw this season in somewhat different ways um for for Giannis the kind of Giannis and center stuff and for me what was impressive and and I I've done digging into this of course it'll be relevant when we do defensive player of the year and a couple other things as well is that yes you're completely right that the Bucks defense when you know hasn't been at to the level before of what they did but like for me when I when I went through this and we've talked about this in previous words is that the Bucks defense is doing a lot of the things well that you would expect you know the the math problem stuff so they're extremely good on the defensive glass they're not fouling very much teams aren't taking many shots at the rim they're shooting a little bit better on those shots than they did in previous regimes but you know that that's not a huge surprise so what your argument of like oh you have to play him next to next to a a shooting center i don't think you need to to have a very good defense now you can argue that you have to play a four and that those are hard to find and you know positional scarcity Giannis Giannis, like he can't actually guard a post-up center sure but i mean can't guard how how often is how often is that super relevant i mean you can do that i mean it's just like they're like yeah i think you close games with him at center but you're not going to start games with him at center so i like i understand what you're saying but you're also uh it's just difficult like if he's if he could because like him him compared to say draymond or ad closing at center like there are a few more limitations with him playing center against most teams he could certainly do it but like for example going up against the sixers you need to have another center on the floor so there's you do but i mean to me you have to have with with durant and i agree with you that he fits on every team offensively and that you can also with his size you can you're going to put him you're going to have a better defender on the floor than him anyway but you do have to have that other player like and it's and they are in heavy supply overall like good centers are not the hardest thing to find and wings are significantly tougher and so yeah I, i think it's totally it's totally fair and i mean i had durant over Giannis for for a lot of this year i thought that it was you know, it is a a two main conversation, and and part of it, yeah. I, I think you and I differ a little bit in the, in terms of how to balance the eighty two and the sixteen. And and for me, I just trust in terms of availability and just the level of play and like kind of let's well, call it tone how do, setting. How do we differ? Do you think I? What, I think you, you care more? more. I think you care more about like you. We weight it similarly, but I think you weight the playoffs a little more than I do. Um, in the yeah, sense that like true. if Giannis is on your team, I think it's very close to a certain that you're going to not only make it into the playoffs but have a very good seed and i care a lot about that and with durant when he's when he's healthy and he's available there the nets have been a very good team even despite an extremely flawed and shorthanded supporting cast but i'm and some of this might just be unfair that like durant's injury as you mentioned this year was fluky but he has more of those fluky things and part of it is that he's a very he's a he's a skinny guy and you know he had he's had various lower body injuries over his career and so for me, that set it and forget it idea, it is it is important. And I and I feel so much more confident in Giannis and that specific thing that to me that overrides just slightly. I mean, we're we're splitting hairs here. The and I agree with you. If I had to pick one game for 
like if my life depended on it or something like that in the playoffs, I, w- I would pick Kevin Durant. Like that, I would do that. But I'm looking at, I'm kind of seeing the whole picture just a little bit differently. So like it's it's interesting that I don't think we disagree too much on on evaluating these guys as players. It's just like how do you portion these? And it's it's a great theoretical problem to have. And the Kevin Durant, I mean, the the argue, the thing that made it the hardest for me, I you you brought this up, but I think it bears repeating is that these teams hit those two players. Their teams played in the playoffs last year and Kevin Durant was the better player. And that is, and it's not, there's nothing that happened this year as great as Giannis played. And I think he's firmly in the MVP conversation and Durant, you know, if he had been healthy as much as he could have been, he probably would have been too. There is nothing that happened this season that necessarily changed that reality. Like if they played again in a series, I don't, there's no reason for me to believe that the circumstances are going to be materially different there, which makes me a little bit uncomfortable picking Giannis, but I kind of, I kind of know what I'm getting into there. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences, hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress in under two minutes, and it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot 
step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing, like their premium Slub Crew tee, the No BS High Rise Pant, the Slim Roughneck Pant featured in Giant Magazine, Issue 2. Every American Giant piece is made in America and designed to last no exceptions, and it provides year-round comfort. So find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use that finisher code CAPSPACE at checkout. Please remember we talk about CAPSPACE all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us all right tier two number three who you got my tier two is just one player and that one player is Kawhi leonard and the reason why is this if you could assure me like you could do this thought experiment that the Kawhi leonard we are going to see at this you know at this theoretical season that starts even recovered let's say recovered a couple months into the season not starting the year was the same player that we saw against the mavericks in round one last year I think there is an argument to be made, not saying I would firmly say number one, that I would pick Kawhi Leonard over Kem Durant and Giannis in that context of like, you're starting a playoffs right now. All of these guys are the healthiest we've seen them in the last three years because Kawhi is a monster offensively, not at the level of Kevin Durant. He's not a Kevin Durant level offensive player. But he's also a very valuable defensive player. And the other funny part of it is that, like, when you, when you kind of game this out, these are these are also the best players on three very recent champions. You know, like that Kawhi Leonard, you know, he was the best player on the Raptors team that won. Kevin Durant was the best playoff player on those Warriors championship teams that he was a part of. And Giannis was the best player on the la- one last year. But I think there, in that context, there is an argument that Kawhi Leonard is that level of player that he as a 16 game force even this would be would have been what is even though he didn't play his age 30 season so there's some passage time there but the reason why I can't have him in the same tier is one there are availability issues that are going to plague this and that, and that makes him a less impactful regular season performer then there is the passage well, of time for yeah somebody. let's talk about the availability real quick I mean sure he already basically never played back to back and the Clippers right. are extremely I mean it's very interesting that KD going to the Nets they were one of those conservative organizations and now KD plays like 42 minutes a game every game but sure Kawhi they are extreme they already were extremely judicious and now he's coming back off the ACL he's gonna be his third I mean there's just he's I, I would predict like that would be a great Watfo just does Kawhi Leonard ever play in a back-to-back while he plays for the la clippers my guess would be no I would my guess would be no. maybe there's that. a point where he pushes for it a little bit in a specific circumstance like it matters a lot for seating or something but yeah it's it's yeah, extremely I mean, maybe unlikely. like the last uh, but even then like they don't they never give a shit about cd right they're just they like, don't we're gonna, be, we're gonna um, be out to get into the playoffs yeah but yeah i, I mean it's it seems unlikely so but yeah so so i mean that that matters like he's gonna it does more and so that's than why he's anybody not, that's else that's why he's not yeah. in the same tier with Giannis and KD. Yeah. even though i yeah. think if we were to make the argument that at full strength he would be in yeah. i mean i he would be above Giannis for me in terms of who i would want for a single series or a playoff game not you know jumbling up the teammates just like we do for everything else he, he's he plays more top out at 65 games a year you would exactly think. teams have 14 15 back-to-backs i mean that's just and that's the most then if he actually gets an injury he misses more so he's probably you know he's gonna play 55 to 60 games a year most likely and going and as you bring up all the time and it's an important and fair point to bring up there is no guarantee even if he misses all of that time that he's going to be available for the entire playoffs 
and that matters a lot too yeah he, he's had a couple of you know he's he's missed basically two entire seasons out of the last five mm-hmm. a- and three playoffs out of the last five. we're assuming he's not going to come back this year um you know so yeah that that definitely matters and it, it's uh and, and i agree with what you're saying i mean to me he and kd last playoffs were playing at you know easily the both at the highest level and Kawhi is probably the the easiest fit maybe even more so than kd because he's a little bit more versatile defender on the perimeter as well kd is a better spot up shooter Kawhi, i mean they both will kind of hold the ball Kawhi doesn't come off screens the way kd is so kd is probably a little bit more versatile to fit in offensively Kawhi certainly more so even defensively and um, Kawhi has some yeah. has some playoff demerits that kevin durant doesn't really have like i mean wh- what happened in the 2020 playoffs with the clippers like that is a huge demerit for Kawhi leonard as the best player on a championship level team yeah f- fair enough i mean that was obviously i i try to discount the bubble i overcounted the bubble last year that's why my ranking kind of sucked last year honestly um but i do have others in this group okay uh in part again due to the lack of availability uh and uh i've got luka Doncic and stephen curry also in this group in my four to five i have them in those i have them in the same spots that's interesting i was really torn on how to do it but i don't have them in the same tier as Kawhi. just on the basic idea that i wouldn't take them in a playoff series over Kawhi and the basically well, well, my, so this is my theory is based on that we don't know that Kawhi is gonna sure Kawhi. oh that's and that, and i mean right. yeah last going year, Kawhi, from completely but 31 going from his age 29 playoffs to his age 31 playoffs like that is a period when almost every player has a significant drop off like no no sorry not significant has a chance for let's put it that way yeah. and so if Kawhi leonard is lower and i mean we will but to yeah so that, that and, and i i have very little problem with that i have those guys at the top of my next tier as well um but the i mean i it's funny like luca was so was so good in a lot of moments of that series last year but Kawhi just i mean that was one of the best closing like that last three games to a playoff series i've ever seen yeah and luca had some amazing moments i think he's better mm-hmm. now i agree as well i mean like luca Doncic still is has an argument for me to be the best playoff offensive player in the NBA. like he i was talking about this today on twitter watching him against the bucks who had their group healthy you know very good defense and he may be the guy who is the most difficult to scheme against in the in the whole league that's not the most difficult to stop one-on-one but just you know he's gotten good enough now where there are very few guys maybe Kawhi is one of the few but hey you know you can set a screen when Kawhi is on him and so then you'd switch and someone else would be on him and Luca could probably cook that guy and then if you double team him he's got great height he can get off the ball immediately uh he can get into the post as well if you're putting someone smaller on if you want to go that route uh and he's got the the step back is working better this year he's even working on the step back to his right now I mean I've seen these last couple of games that he's played on Sunday against you know two great defenses Milwaukee and Boston with both of them just struggling they tried everything you could just see the coaches like okay let's try this nope that didn't work let's try this nope that didn't work like he's just he's too good a passer he's too good a scorer he gets into the lane he plays with this great pace so shot blocking doesn't work that well if you do get a shot blocker he'll get it to a guy for an alley-oop or he'll kick out to a corner three I mean he just gets amazing shots you try and switch him well he'll beat a guy and then if you help off this off of that he'll dime guys up uh it's it's incredible what he can do offensively and he deserves a demerit for he hasn't come in in shape in a couple of these years but since january 1st I mean, he's been unbelievable and yes he's only had these two playoff series but he was awesome in both of those and i think he's better now and he almost certainly will have a better matchup in this year's playoffs like if they go up against the jazz or the 
Nuggets are their most likely opponents. I mean, he's going to go crazy against those teams. And it's it, gonna it, be it certainly appears ridiculous. that way. I the other thing that gives me pause with Luca is so overall in the season shooting 35% on threes and taking yet again a totally respectable volume of that. He's taking about nine per 36 minutes, and that's been about the three point rate that Luca has had every single year. What I'm still trying to figure out with him. So this year, you know, splitting it by months, and yes, in some ways those are arbitrary. Luca has three months where he shot 28% on threes or worse. And then four months where he shot 38% or better. And that that it, it's sort of it's sort of like Giannis in the sense of like, oh, if he figures this out, he's going to be totally unstoppable. And you can make an argument. It's like I mentioned the split between some of those months. It's like his last three are included among that. And so you go the like, oh, he's a, he, he's a he's a fixed man. You know, the 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 bad shooting that he had in the early, you know, before January 1st. And then actually he had a pretty bad January from a shooting perspective. Um, but I'm just not all the way there yet. I haven't seen like some sort of huge mechanical. Like, I mean, the step back does look better, but like I haven't seen a reason to go to think that he's now a 38% three point shooter. And yeah. well, I mean, you you uh you have to defend it. You know, I mean that that's yeah, that, like, that, as long and, as, and that's true. Like, you're but, you're not letting him shoot ball. that shot. Right. And the, and then the other thing for him is like I want to see how he defends in the playoffs. You know, like the the idea of like you know. So he's generally speaking for a good reason. The Mavericks are giving him more palatable matchups there that's why you have dorian Fitty smith that's why you have reggie bullock and that is not a demerit for luca compared to basically anybody around him on the list and not higher than him but like that's not what you do with Kawhi, obviously and that's not what you do with Giannis. and so i you can argue and i would that his offense is worth that sort of thing but like is he going to get attacked at all are we going to see oh are we going to see just teams try to burn the candle at both ends like we've seen with stephen curry over the years somebody else who we'll have in this conversation and I want to see a little bit more there. But yeah, I, I had them in separate tiers. I have I have it's it's interesting. We'll get into Steph in a second. But for for me, it's maybe it's being a little bit risk averse still here that it's like as great as Luca has played in two two playoff series losses. There's still that other sense of like, how well can you hold your own on the on the on your weaker end? Because you're going to have to do that. Yeah, I don't think his defense is really that much of a problem. Like, I think actually it's fine now that now that he's in shape, like when teams try to attack it one on one, it's actually like it goes fine most of the time to me. Like you can't really post him up. He's too big. He actually moves his feet pretty well. Like he's gotten better as a help guy as the years gone. He was terrible the first few months of the year. I, mean, I will tell mind. you what what yeah. I want to see. I want to see more small small pick and rolls involving him and getting those kind of reads. Yeah, yeah. I don't know so, if teams are going to do it, but that's what I want to see. Yeah. So I I mean you know he's he's not he's the worst defender probably for his position out of this group. Although I, if you said okay you can either have Stephen Curry or Luka Doncic on defense, I would probably rather have Luka Doncic if you're they're just one is replacing the other. Um, although Steph Curry just for a point guard is probably better but luca has enough height that he just can't be attacked as easily um yeah i mean now obviously we're don't worry guys by the way we're we'll have enough a full explanation for why two of the three guys that i will be in consideration for me for regular season mvp haven't been discussed yet as we did last year by the way we'll, we'll get there um so who is your where did you have luca then item four item above yeah, Steph. Um, yeah and then and then Steph was five for you yes and is there anybody uh, else in that group for you? No, I originally had Jokic and Embiid, who are my next group. I originally had Luca, Steph, Jokic, and Embiid together. That was my kind of my base formulation. And then what I really started working on is the idea of and and as regular season players, especially with what we've seen, like Jokic and Embiid, firmly in that conversation, of course. 
And Jokic, it, it is, we got, this came up in a mailbag recently. I'll believe it when I see it in his defense in the playoffs. I think he has been markedly better and deserves a lot of credit for that. And that's well, a part well, of why. Are, are we jumping the gun by not talking about Curry since we both No, but I'm going to explain why this is, why the differentiation exists. Oh, okay. And so, so it's the idea is. They're more valuable in the regular season, for sure. Like, and with Luca, we can make some arguments. We'll see where the year goes. But let's let's compare them to Steph at the for the time being, because I think that might be the more controversial decision here. But I worry significantly at the highest levels about both of these players defensively, and then I have some worries about Embiid offensively. Jokic basically bulletproof for me on offense. But the idea that you, Embiid with the turnover turnover really, and the idea that you can't there he's not as versatile offensively. There are certain things that he just doesn't have the experience doing maybe you could do them in time and so for me not knowing everything else and it's like the most important thing a center can do is defend and as great as Jokic is the the problem with this and I used to talk about this a lot in terms of point guards is that if you can't get that from your five it's very hard to get it from somewhere else and so with Curry, yeah, he's not a great defender, but that's not a problem. We've seen great defenses that had him as a part of it, including elite playoff defenses. And so even though Jokic and Embiid are damn good, it's harder to make those things work. Yeah. So so let's get back to Curry now, because I think really that's an argument that we probably don't need to rehash as much. We'll get to it more talking about Jokic and Embiid, but the idea of just why defense matters so much more at center uh, and defense facility matters so much more center but to stuff i mean he's had a big drop off this year and yes 38 from three he's never been below 40 percent in his career so this to me like the player that we have seen so far this year to me this ranking is too high for him i would agree and now of course you know luka Doncic. if you add up his season stats he had like a negative net eight net rating on january 1st or something like that so he obviously you know this is we're trying to look forward here not necessarily backwards and you know it makes more sense with luka okay he got into better shape and and he's younger and so you it, the future looks brighter for him Steph is on the downside he just turned 34 so this is and, and he's also shown a little bit of an a dependence on having another really good passer around him like Draymond like I think he struggled without Draymond but I, I, believe, I think yeah. I think some of that is coach scheme related personally uh yeah you know I mean like you could maybe run a, a Spain pick and roll with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson right like the two best shooters that you've ever been on one team together to to play like run the one play that is like the best to run with two shooters uh and one of who can handle the ball but but anyway uh you know, there are other aspects of his game that really get uh, unlocked as well by the off-ball stuff, which, you know, wouldn't have happened on other teams, like, you know, or say with Mark Jackson as the coach. But well, we don't need to relitigate that. The impact metrics are still extremely good for Stephen Curry. The Warriors' offense, the way that it has fallen off when he hasn't played, again, partially due to the Steph-centric system. But nonetheless, uh, he can fit on any team due to his shooting ability very easily. Uh, he's actually having one of his better passing seasons with the ball more this year. And I think he is still going to shoot 40% from three. If you ask me what is Steph Curry's three-point percentage going to be over his next 500 attempts, I would say over 40%. And that would change things a lot. He still has the exact same impact, which was obviously 65% true shooting on 34% usage last year. 
Like those numbers are way down this year, right? He's 61% true shooting. Yeah, they're way down to 60% true shooting for a high volume guard. That's still phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. and that's still, you know, particularly for a guard, uh, the, the value of a replacement there is higher, et cetera. And, and getting that shooting at point guard, we talked about that as well, where you don't get that shooting at point guard as easily when we did our point guard rankings that there are some good point guard shooters, but a lot of them aren't that great. And he's the best shooter of all time at that position. And then you can fill in with even more shooting around him if you want to, or go with more defense around him as well. So he's still having the same impact. He's still helping his teammates as much. The on-off numbers are still just as good. You know, he's, I think, number three, number four in the league this year in EPM, even in a down shooting year. Now, I do think that his quickness is a little bit down. He's missed more layups kind of unaccountably this year than he did in the past. Like, he has gotten worse as a finisher and a driver. Like, that's that's true. You know, th- that part, I think, that part of the decline is very real. So he's not the same player that he was last year, but I think he's in between where he was this year and last year. And that is still a ridiculously good player. And, you know, he will, he'll hopefully come back in the playoffs. He's hopefully going to be a hundred percent or close to it. And we'll get an answer. This is forward looking and I'm still drinking. It's now been this two years that we've missed stuff in the playoffs. So I'm still drinking the Kool-Aid on him as a really good playoff offensive player. Maybe even still potentially the best offensive player in basketball. And I think we're just going to find out a little bit this year on this Warriors team that, that's going to be fascinating. So it's this is still based on what he has been and what I think he still can be going forward. And that's just the bet I'm making, and I might be wrong. Yeah, that's pretty much where I am on it. And I brought it before the the kind of the defensive component that I think is a factor here. Um, my tier four is just Jokic and Embiid. Do you have anybody else there or is it just uh, those two guys? I put, I put LeBron in there too. Yeah, I, I did that. I had that at one point and then what I realized is I don't know. I the especially the idea of LeBron in the regular season at this juncture, like he, he in a given playoff series, yes. But I mean, he's and maybe I'll move him back. I was that was that was something I was torn on throughout this process was how to deal with how to deal with LeBron. But I, let's start with Jokic and Embiid, and then we can get into LeBron too. Maybe you'll, you can convince me to move it back. Yeah. So Nikola Jokic, I think, is the best offensive player during the regular season with Steph taking a step back. I, I thought it was very close last year Jokic actually was ahead of Steph which is why I ultimately thought Jokic was the MVP although I thought Steph was very close to him much closer than a lot of people thought when we did our awards we got into that and and, I mean again this would be reiterating for the 97th time you already pointed it out uh, on Jokic's defense and why it's just to me it's good just I'm not saying it's possible but I think extremely difficult to win a championship with a center like him and yes he has gotten better defensively but no he can't switch no he cannot protect the rim when anyone has a head of steam going out he's gotten a little better you know he's got good hands like there's that aspect of of it the defensive metrics are very good this year in the regular season but and him and losing losing some weight and getting a little like he's gotten a little bit more bounce he's had those big late game blocks but the idea that you can build a defensive scheme around him not only that 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 treads water but that thrives against high level competition that's a lot to ask yeah, well, and if you look at his defensive skill set, I've gone through it. The center who is closing games, you know, we're not talking about Zaza Pachulia on the 17 Warriors here, but the center who's closing games on championship teams over the last 25 years, and you can't find someone with his physical profile and who just had the, the same weaknesses that he has as a defensive player. You, like, I think it is very difficult to build an elite playoff defense, and maybe they can just outscore everyone because he's just that good, but we all 
also actually saw him get shut down a little bit i mean a shutdown is too strong but made more inefficient by deandre ayton and there are a few other guys like that who have historically played him pretty well you know, he's he's really upped his scoring again even more this year but i do think there are some players who can stop on one-on-one now you put someone like jamal murray next to him again you know a real pick and roll point guard then you can get the ball in space and it maybe it doesn't matter if you have someone who can guard him one-on-one at that point you know so so that's worth noting him he's the carry job that he's done this year is one of the best that we've seen like i think he's gonna be the mvp again he should be he's on this incredible run um but again just getting into the absolute highest levels and and what's you can't and what i don't think the nuggets are gonna be able to stop people and what's so frustrating about this thought experiment is that odds are we're not going to get that full stress test this year either because and that's not Jokic's fault remotely it's just that they're not getting their best players back and so they they could make it out of the first round it is a distinct possibility and if they do that will probably raise Jokic because the way that they do that is him being unbelievable and unless the opponent I mean they would be beat either Dallas or Golden State so yep that would be my expectation and that could be injuries but it could also be Jokic being unbelievable and so the this this idea of like can a Jokic defense survive is going to face a different sort of thing and we saw a shorthanded Denver team last year and so it's just it's just the way the cookie crumbles and this is age 26 season thankfully we will have more years hopefully but expectedly of Jokic's prime professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by Forge FX to hone her skills as a welder the more time that you spend practicing it that's what separates a good welder from a great welder VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all of my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Did you and did you have Jokic over Embiid? Because I did. I did, as we did in the center rankings. Uh, yeah, that's true. So I, or at least as I did in the center rankings, I guess you did. Also I did as well. For, and for those reasons, and Joel, to me, he just hasn't had a good playoffs yet. I mean, he just hasn't had a playoffs where he's been as good as he was in the regular season. But well, that's and, and, injuries. And, and there's a point of a point of clarification on that. I know some people were talking about like that Raptor series and everything else. There is a difference between being valuable and being necessary and being great. Like they fell off a cliff when he was 
wasn't there, but that doesn't mean Embiid was amazing. That just means they weren't amazing when he was when he was off, off the floor. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, there's some of the on-off numbers like, yes, he was positive in that Toronto series, but he did not play up to his his standards. And he didn't, I mean, I'm sure if you asked him, he would say, no, I didn't play up to my standards. Like, he had some big games against Atlanta. He also had some games where he wasn't good enough and they lost for that reason. So, and, and like, I'm sorry, like, I don't care how well you play if you're, or what kind of stats you put up, if you're the number one seed and you lose to that Hawks team, like you didn't play well enough. Like that is a, dis, that is a disappointing upset that his team experienced and i think he's also a little bit more reliant on foul drawing than i would like as well as is his teammate james harden so that's something that can kind of be taken away over the course of a series if you just get used to some of his tricks like some of his fouls are just you know he's too big he's just going through you but you know it's kind of rip move stop his field contact and throw it up like you can if that's not falling for him like he's not that efficient like he can get up a ton of shots and, and he, the other like thing, shoots, yeah, go ahead. the other thing with Embiid on that is that one of the biggest differences between Jokic and Embiid is that Jokic is an unbelievable counterpuncher. You know, he has so many things in his game and Embiid doesn't quite have that same depth. He doesn't have there are the things that you can attack on him. He the ways he beats you are the same and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Whereas Jokic, partially because of the interplay he has with his teammates, Adam Morris and I and Derek Bodner, actually, incidentally, we talked a lot about that in the pod we did together. But that element of Jokic's game is fundamentally different than Embiid, where like Embiid, if you he might be able to do those things against you because he's that physically talented and that good. But if you try to take that away or you try to exploit it, he's not he doesn't have a way to like kind of knock you back. Yeah, I mean, he can physically knock you back. He's very sure, big, sure. but but of he, course. yeah, but he can counter punch it is, is what you're saying there. And yeah, yeah, and he's gotten better as a passer. I think he slipped defensively, though. Um, I agree this year. And may, maybe that is something that will change in the playoffs we're going to find out because these guys don't have much else on defense frankly and if you put more defense around i think he could be you know get back to, if not defense player of the year level which i think he was at that level at previous times in his career and he's just not as not as quick or athletic as he was before and that's fine he also has stayed on the floor this year without any major injuries but this is the first time for that and you know we we could that's something that could pop up at every time compared to Jokic, where it's not the case i mean you might still be able to make the argument maybe to me that Joel Embiid is a better playoff player than Jokic but I'm not as sure about that I ranked Embiid above Jokic last year although I had both of them again kind of right in this area and part of my thesis was hey it's just hard for a center and even even Embiid you know doesn't have like as much defensive versatility you know we saw that they struggled to contain Trey Young and pick and roll for a lot of that series you know because it's not like Embiid is going to switch on to Trey Young on the perimeter even though he's one of the better drop coverage guys and he is such an offensive load it's hard for him to, to be a huge defensive stalwart and i would say you know a lot of people were pissed off about this last year that we didn't rank these guys as high. i would say that last year's playoffs as much as they could and you never want to read into like too much into one playoffs like a lot of fluky shit can happen but to see Jokic get torn up by phoenix the way he did in pick and roll in a, a four game sweep and not be as effective offensively yes okay he was tired but also i mean that was not playoff level level of defense that that he was playing and if he was tired well that's he, he has a lot of stamina but that's that's part of the deal and he had, a, he had a big load i get that but you know he looked really bad out there in the playoffs and joel Embiid also had a disappointing playoffs and also got hurt as rose you know that's part of why he had a disappointing playoffs and he you know he missed games in the washington series and then you know, it wasn't himself for part of the atlanta series and they lost again so it just uh, until we see more you know until those guys answer the those specific questions that i have about them in the playoffs they're not going to move up but let's talk 
talk LeBron here now. LeBron James, you you brought up that my list from last year looks better. I had LeBron number one. That is the one that shifted. And there are a number of different things that happened. I mean, one is the Lakers, even the, the Lakers getting knocked out by the eventual Western Conference champions in a series that they could have won if they had been healthy. But also we've seen partially due to his due to just a little bit of downturn himself and also partially due to availability that LeBron James can't propel or is not propelling is probably maybe a more accurate way of putting it a team in the same way that he has in the past. And, and something that I found interesting is that LeBron is an amazing creator of offense. We, we can see that and he's help having to carry more and more flawed units on one end of the floor, or both in most cases, because the Lakers are a poorly run team and have been for years. But LeBron James has so the the best offense relative to the league standards of that year that he has had when on the floor during this Lakers tenure is the 70th percentile. That was 122.7 the year that they that they won the championship in 1920. And so the he's not propelling it in the same way that he was. And yes, his counting stats are phenomenal this year. There are lots of different reasons why that is happening. And I don't, you know, the at age 38 is the or 37, I guess, going into 38 um, is the it, that level of kind of individual dominance. But then the other part is that it, it it's becoming less clear that he can be that complementary force on a huge defense because part of the reason why this Lakers season has gone so poorly is that they've been genuinely bad defensively. And that is not LeBron's fault, first and foremost. It is a lot of other things' fault. But he's not cleaning up messes the way that he did earlier in his Lakers career or late in his Cavs career. I just don't know what to make of this LeBron season. Same. Um, I'm trying to just go... The stats, I think, are largely meaningless because he's playing center. They suck on defense. He's in this really weird role. You know, I think his jumper is better than ever. We haven't really seen him hardly post up at all this year because he's they've he's been playing larger positions and he also doesn't really want to do that. Uh, you know, he hasn't really had a role man to play with most of the year. He's been playing more as the role man a lot, but also having the ball. But even though he's been the biggest guy on the floor, the reason they've had to play that way is because they aren't getting adequate spacing from the other position um you know his individual stats are very good his scoring all that you know averaging what 34 a game when ad is out of the lineup but so so ad has played what i don't know 35 games or something like and, and the number of games that he and lebron have played together has got to be 20 or something very low outside of anthony davis would you care to guess as we we went through and we did our rankings of all the positions would you care to guess the highest ranked Laker outside of anthony davis at his position and what number that was of anyone else on the lakers roster or you can do it based on yours or mine we're, we're relatively consistent on i'm guessing it's your placement of russell westbrook yeah i had russell westbrook as the number 38 point guard uh in the high quality backups group but of course russell westbrook is the number 38 point guard he would be lower if i was just ranking point guards to play next to lebron james <laughs> right yeah, like he's, he'd, be, he'd, be, he's, he'd be in the late 40s maybe 50s maybe even right, lower than that right like the the only reason he's that high is because there's some teams that might need someone to come in and just you know create some shots on the on the backup unit or something after that malik monk i had as the 40th ranked shooting guard in the nba i don't think i even ranked a laker at small forward outside of lebron certainly didn't rank a laker at power forward or center outside of ad certainly didn't rank i mean it's just it's insane it's insane how terrible this roster is like this roster i mean at any time lebron has been out they've had no chance to win basketball game. and yep i will tell you right now we'll still have more to talk about you've convinced me to move him into the chair with Jokic and Embiid I mean the surrounding like it's just usually you would think about this and say like oh my this player you know 
late thirties, how are they going to, how are they going to age? But like, I mean, we haven't really seen that much this year to dissuade us from the idea. Now you do have the idea that's, you know, it's now two years off of that really strong playoff performance in 2020. And it would be basically a yeah. third to, and, and last year, and he's had the injuries too. I mean, that, that's another yes. part. like to me, the biggest reason, the biggest argument why he shouldn't be in this group with the Jokic and Embiid is the injury, which is why I, which is why I didn't have him there originally. I mean, I, the, we don't know how many games you can expect LeBron to play, yeah. you know, moving forward. And it's not like there's any sort of chronic specific injury. It's just that when you reach this age and you and I are both around this age, so we can appreciate it as well from a different standpoint is that it's hard to get to that level. I think back to like the kind of stuff that Kobe Bryant said before his passing of like, it's, it takes so much work. And I think we're seeing that with LeBron and that smaller things are now becoming, are keeping him out and are making him, you know, diminishing that quality of play. Yeah. And last year in the playoffs, he was still coming off the high ankle sprain. By the way, like, can he, maybe he should never play in New Orleans again. Cause remember last year he was, he, in the meaningless game, he aggravated the high ankle sprain and then also sprained his ankle there again this year. Uh, but, but anyway, yeah so i just like he's shown me enough on film to say hey he can, he's still a great passer even though he's having his worst passing season but again he's playing more as a role guy uh you know he's still been efficient as a scorer and that's again you know he's playing at the center and he's getting set up more but they also have no shooting i still think he could play power forward adequately to above average defensively yeah he can't guard on the perimeter anymore but he could still be a good help defender he's still got his brain he can still attack and transition he's still in really good shape can play a lot of minutes when he's healthy yeah i just i and, and well, I and, think when, and yeah. Nate, you have a better memory on this. I, as I recall it, he, I thought he was the best player in that series against the Suns. As I'm recalling it, but you remember these things better than I. No, do. Devin Booker would have been. I mean, Devin, Devin Booker was like 49 in, in Game Six. LeBron really. Well, I'm thinking of kind series. of like the healthy part of the series. You know, like when. Well, well, but LeBron was never healthy. I think he was. He had like his lowest scoring play. Oh, I was thinking more of more of Anthony Davis itself. Like when it looked like the Lakers were going to have control. You remember these things better than I do. Yeah, yeah Booker. I, I, you know, I no, I I would say. I mean, I think Booker had a ridiculous game one too, which the Suns won as well. Um, yes, I believe that's correct. Yeah, so I, I would. Would say it was probably Devin Booker I mean, and also okay. like the Suns are a weird opponent in that way because they're just such a good depth team I mean, sure DeAndre that's, that's what I was trying to think because the argument of like an argument in favor of Laura would be like if he was the best player in his last available series but I I, no, I will he, trust he, your memory was, on that far better than mine yeah I'm giving him a pass on that because of the high ankle sprain and, and I mean he was great in the regular season before he got that high ankle sprain last year mm -hmm. so now I mean this I don't know what the hell the Lakers are going to do to get back into it and maybe there's an argument too that it he just we're starting the season right now he's going to decline even further but hey you know what also we're talking about him being on a random team and there basically is literally not a worse team that's trying to win for him to be on than the lakers i, mean, like, I agree it's really true they, they're gonna win 31 games or 32 games or something this year it's insane so that's the end of that group for me i think i wonder if we're gonna diverge here who's your number nine so so you so you did move lebron up into that i did move seven. i did move him up and okay um all right so we because, so we have the same top eight then we do okay i think here's where we may diverge who's your number nine trey young that's very interesting yeah i have trey number 11 and i have him in a lower tier than the two gentlemen that i have nine and ten but okay i'm gonna guess i'm guessing yeah. gonna, gonna, gonna guess that one of those is jason tatum yeah jason tatum is my number nine okay uh he's in the same he's in the same tier for me hopefully we could just put him in a sensory deprivation tank and just tell him that it's january at the start of the season oh my god <laughs> if we could do that or, or actually more accurately that it's like that it's game 30 right when he starts the season 
because because it, it was January last year. He had a rough start, and the start of the season was January last year. But he, he's getting better every year. Impact metrics have him you know, high top five. This is two of the last three years. He's had just a crazy impact on what the Celtics have done. Well, and then and then the yeah. other part of the argument for Tatum, and he's in the same tier. I I had him. You know, I toured, toyed between having him nine, ten, and eleven. Um, I ended up. I don't know why I ended up with him at ten with when considering had the similarities between my number nine guy and my number eleven guy. But the argument for Tatum in many ways is actually very similar to somebody who is not super similar as a player, and that's Anthony Davis. And the argument here is that Jason Tatum, as your best player in a really high-end playoff series, I'm not entirely sure. You know, like, we're he's going to have a lot to show in these playoffs. And, you know, he's been a part of successful playoff teams, of course. The Celtics made those conference finals runs early in his career. But Tatum has the skill set that works so beautifully and plays the right position to be a complimentary star. And he's a wonderful shooter. He can play off ball. He is a valuable defender, though not a centerpiece defender in my eyes, though he has been an, a, a valuable part of a great defense this year. And so that, like the Tatum Trey Young argument, and there are a few others kind of in this conversation, is really like. In some ways, it's these 82 game versus 16, but and also it's the idea of like the best player versus the second best player. And in fact, that's who I was alluding to in that preamble, where I don't think that he is going to be your number one player on a really good offense. I know the Celtics have had some really good moments lately, but he's, to me, he's not that undeniable guy, is the phrase you love to use, where you know he's only kind of average on isolations. Uh, he's gotten better. He used to be one of the worst in the NBA uh, as recently as like two years ago. And you know, if you put a really good defender on him, like I don't think he's going to be able to cook that guy. And if he's not getting to the foul line in a given game he, he can get to be kind of inefficient i mean he doesn't have you know, if you compare him to someone like durant as a score he doesn't have these games where he's like you know 12 out of 17 from the field or something like that like he's a good mid-range shooter good spot up shooter very solid offensive player st- you know gotten better as a passer but still you know not a, a passer on the level of someone like luca and not an isolation score on the level of someone like Kawhi or kd good defender but more of an off-ball guy than on-ball you know can switch but he's not the guy that you're putting on the best offense player which is a he's a that's a very important role to have that off-ball playmaking wing but I wouldn't consider him one of the absolute best of his position but he just fits in everywhere like he can shoot he doesn't have any major weaknesses in his game finishing at the rim is maybe a little bit but you know he's not there's nothing where you're like oh we're gonna exploit this in the playoffs (laughs) there's nothing like that and he plays an intensely valuable position he does. And this is another really telling stat for Tatum. Tatum shooting 37.8% on catch and shoot threes this year. That is the worst percentage of his career. He is a wonderful catch and shoot guy. So if you want to scale him down because you have another great offensive player, his game completely works. Like it, it there is, there's no hesitation there. And so the idea that he can be a part of a successful team, we have seen it in multiple iterations. He is a much better player now than he was early in those Celtics runs. And I mean, before Rob Williams got hurt, like there was an argument that the Celtics were the best. They were playing the best of them and the Suns of anybody in basketball. And Tatum was the best player in that run. And so it, I, I can see that argument. But now I'm interested in who you have as the other player because it's not Trey Young. Well, again, as foreshadowed by my great number two argument, Paul George, who I had in the same tier as Jason Tatum in our small forward rankings as the number six small forward. Pretty amazing that six of my 10 
players, my top 10, are small forward. And Paul that, George... That part me, actually doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, and people don't consider Luca a small forward, but he guards small forward, so that's why we, we consider him small forward. But Paul George, I mean, how is he worse than Jason Tatum? Maybe a little bit worse of a of an ISO guy at this point, but not much worse. I think Paul George... He's worse as a passer to me, too. Like, kind of a distributor. I think he's worse as a distributor. Uh, I mean, like, George will, will get into, like, these more turnover-prone situations. I think Paul George is a better shooter than Jay Tatum, though. Like, I think he comes off of screens more. Uh, you know, he... Uh, I'm I'm more of a believer in his shooting. George is a better on-ball defender. Pretty damn good off-ball, too. Tatum is maybe a little bit better as a shot blocker. George might be better as a steals guy. They're very close, I would say, defensively. And George had a, a really good playoffs last year. And, okay, he had an elbow injury and missed a, a bunch of this year. So, I'm... And that there's no indication that that's gonna continue. So, and, again, George can fit in on any team as a great number two another guy who just doesn't really have many weaknesses i think he helped maybe his playoffs last year were a little overrated just because the clippers were winning but he still exercised some demon to me with his playoff performance compared to the previous year in the bubble so yeah that, that's why i have it it's just the the value of wings the value of a great number two to fit in on like literally any team would be he he could fit in and play even if you have another great small forward you can just play next to that guy and play shooting yeah that's that's fair um i and i i think this is again a little bit of the regular season for this playoffs for me so the, the other two guys i brought up tatum and i guess trey already came up are the two guys that for me really passed the him alone test offensively like if we're talking about any position honestly and that's trey and jaw and well, well make make the case make the case for trey so you, so you had trey nine jaw 10 i had trey nine jaw jason tatum 10 jaw moran 11 but i had them all and, and was players. that was that the end of that group yes it was okay yeah and, i ordered um, it a little differently too i had 11 through 14 as all kind of playmaking scoring guard that i, I are will help you get a very very good offense but maybe can't be your number one on it on a championship team um i mean because yeah, that, that was kind of my, that was ultimately my thought is like if you're really trying to build a team at the highest levels and you know i think we're just valuing different things a little bit here regular season versus postseason or even not even postseason but winning a championship yeah like early like late round postseason versus yeah i i would just i'm not sure that and booker is a little bit different just because of the incredible team that he's on but it's so hard to build a team that's that good so mm -hmm. um um, but but yeah so so but make the case for Trey Young here uh, as your number nine guy. It is totally fair to argue that by and large, though not universally, the Hawks have had capable, if not very good, offensive talent around Trey Young. Even if you ignore the off part of on-off, and and I think to an extent in the circumstances that can be overall, you're trying to calibrate based like how much of it is dependent on this guy when he when they're unavailable, how much of it falls off. Those have been extreme for Trey each of the last three seasons, even when the Hawks offense hasn't been great. Actually, you could argue his whole career. But instead, it's that he has been a singularly relied upon player for elite offenses in each of the last two regular seasons. The idea is that if you put Trey Young with reasonable talent, and I would say this Hawks team does not have superlative offensive talent, but they do have reasonable to, to good to very good, depending on who's available for that given game. And yes, Trey Young has these severe limitations defensively. And those factor not only into the playoffs, but they also factor into the regular season. I think that he is a part of why the Hawks defense has been so bad this year. Though I broadly, it's it, one of the ways that my thoughts have changed, and I believe yours have changed on this as well. Like if you want to use EPM or Raptor or RPM, I think that bad guard defense is actually a little bit overstated by those. Just because you can clean up their messes, just sort of, sort of like the idea that I talked about before with Steph Curry. 
So for me, if you're building, we have, we, we are now building a stronger data set that having Trey Young on your team means that you're going to have a very high level offense and that you can put weaker surrounding talent. The Hawks have had a bunch of guys available and unavailable over the course of the last two years. And I think that's extremely important because you can build, I, th- I don't think it's like he is so bad defensively that you can't build a competent defense, especially in the regular season with him there. I, I don't, I don't think that almost any guard is that bad. And I definitely don't think that like, I, I, I haven't seen enough to, to believe that Trey is like so singularly bad in the regular season. The playoffs, yes, I think there are some very real concerns. And then the other thing that Trey did last year is he was a a very effective playoff player. And yes, I would agree. And I know you, you, you we have made this argument, we have discussed this at the time, not not even using hindsight, that he got very advantageous matchup. That you know that the Sixers with their coverage and the Knicks with their coverage, they gave him room to thrive, and he thrived. But he did. And so for now, me, that's those were good defensive teams, even if they yes. had the big center where they didn't have as much versatility. Yeah. So so for Trey, I mean, he I, I think it's getting harder to argue against him being one of the league's most valuable regular season offensive players like that. That no, is just I, I mean, he probably you probably have to say he's he might even be top five at this yes. point as far as a regular season offensive player. And he's done. Re- I mean, I think that the it's the eye test in our head test. You know, the he's not undeniable in the same way, though. I think Trey has taken some real steps forward and I'm very interested to see even if it's going to be in a weird sample how he fares in the playoffs but he did he did well last year in albeit in favorable circumstances and so for me what you're getting there is you're getting you're getting the foundation that is very it's not as straightforward to build around necessarily as somebody like Paul George where you know like okay you can you can put a lot of different things around it and it'll succeed but with Trey it's like okay if you want to focus more and have some good defenders out there he's gonna he's such a good pick and roll orchestrator he's gonna get Clint Capella opportunities to finish around the basket he's gonna find those three-point shooters and if you want to just you know put the pedal to the metal and go offense like they've done with Herder and some of these other guys like okay you're gonna have a really really great offense and to me like I when we're talking about players who I don't expect to be the best player in a postseason series I I, I think that there's a reasonable argument for Tatum and George and and I I'm just like I had them in different tiers in the position rankings, I have them in different tiers here. Close, but in different tiers. But so for me, I just think that if if we're arguing that Trey Young is one of the five most valuable regular season players and he had a successful postseason. Well, well regular and, season offense players. Yes, regular season offensive players. And and then but also this is his age twenty three season. We saw real growth from him in terms of the depth of his offensive game this season. I think that the passage of time is going to help him a lot. Yeah. It's, and I'd be very interested to see like what it looked like against a team that could switch their isn't necessarily if you went up against a boston or miami i would be mm-hmm. fascinated to see what that looked like by the yeah, way that still it, might happen this year yeah yeah and and that could be a way for him to push himself up a little bit but yeah the defensive concerns are are pretty real you know more yes. so like he he is the worst defender among anyone on this list by either a county or a country mile <laughs> whichever one it's, it's a large amount and like like you i think that's a little overstated but it's 
also like he can't even switch on to a bad uh, switch on to any ball handler for even a second and, and you have to totally change up the matchups for anybody who can do anything he's got to just hide the you try to hide him on a pj tucker type and then you give up a bunch of offensive rebounds it, it just it leads to these strategic difficulties that you're just gonna really struggle to deal with but i had trey at the top of this next group of four guards from 11 to 14 and yeah i already made the argument why i have tayden and george above it and i think the other three guys i had in this group were john morant devin booker and i still have damian lillard in this group mm-hmm. as well who i expect to come back with a vengeance from this core muscle injury and even even if lillard you know, i think i had him ninth last year and some of these guys have moved up and played better potentially like trey and john booker those guys are all young guys on the ascent lillard is on the decline tatum has risen up as well to, to maybe take a spot wings are more valuable to me so lillard's at 14 i think that just kind of says hey he's going to be totally healthy maybe even slightly healthier but there will be an age decline as well so where do you slot him in in his age 32 season a guy who still is number one weapon is the shot which hopefully will be better than ever he'll be fresh so that's the thought for putting him in there i mean he's still another guy who could be a top five offensive player in the nba next year very easily he certainly was i thought in his last regular season and he could be a little inconsistent from game to game in the playoffs but he can also go completely batshit insane in the playoffs as well bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in california and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico it's and not or See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. John Morant. Let's talk about him a little bit. Um, you know, there is, I'd say the number one reason maybe that he would be a little bit lower is just the injury concern for him on it, just with his style of play and, and that he just could, could miss games. That, that's part of it. All plenty of other guys have this. To me, it's more just about that we haven't seen him play at the highest levels that you just the body don't work. know yeah. how it's going to translate. I think it's going to be pretty good. I hope to God we're going to find out uh, in a, about a week and a half and his playoff debut against Utah last year was pretty solid and he's gotten a lot better this year his shot is better better passer better finisher so I think he's and he to me has the type of game that might play better in the playoffs whereas some of these guys that might not play as well because he can really just kick it into high gear and he just has that physical and quickness advantage that you just can't deal with uh no matter what kind of scheme you're running so he might rock it up this list a little bit but he's still a small guard and he's never really had the same impact in the impact metrics although you can feel it when they get into high level games that when he's off the floor there's problems you know like in the play-in and the playoffs like they really missed him but in the regular season the impact metrics haven't been as impressive part of that shooting luck but they're also 19 and 2 or whatever without him well and a part of it i mean so it's interesting is i talked about the i was thinking about the body of work comparing 
John Morant and Trey Young. It's like Trey Young has been the orchestrator of these successful offenses each of the last two seasons. And one of the counters is like, well, John Morant has been a part of good defenses. However, it is interesting. I, I haven't done enough digging yet on this to to fully talk about it. Is that the Grizzlies defense has not been particularly strong when John Morant's been on the floor each of the last two years. It's been the non-John minutes where they've been really strong. And some of that is shooting luck. When I looked at it, just kind of precursed, like just cursory style in this. And it's like, yeah, well, the teams are shooting like 3% better from three when Morant's not on the floor. And I, I would need to do more work to figure out whether I think that's signal or noise. But Morant, I, I agree with you that I think this could age well. And and just him, him not having quite the same, you know, having quite the same track record there. And, you know, he's been so much better this year as age 22 season. If you started a year right now, you would probably see some of this growth continue. So, I mean, the idea that he could be an elite offensive player, even against high level opposition, I think that I think that is plausible, if not definite. I, I think definite is, yeah. is too strong case. If it was definite that I would have him higher. Well, so, and also I, I think Ja, he's not, he's, he's a very good distributor, but he's not quite on the level of someone like Trey or Luca or LeBron or Jokic. And then he doesn't get his individual offense efficiency. Like, I think it's going to be difficult for him to get to that like magical plus 5% relative true shooting plus 4%, 60% true shooting. Although it's, it seems like it goes up like the league average, but you know, around <laughs> six, what we would consider 60% this year, like it seems like it's going to be hard for him to reach that. He's gotten a lot more efficient this year is a big part of it. But unless he becomes a really good shooter, it's just very difficult for a driving guard like that, who still has to take some outside shots and isn't that great at it to get to like a magical level of like in it or of offensive individual efficiency. And to, he's a, I think a very good passer but not like such a good passer where it's like oh this is driving our offense to be you know a top five offense in the NBA certainly um Booker easily the best defensive player of this group I would say he's the worst offensive player of this group different kind of game obviously with more of the mid-range ISO game just a different type of score uh but quietly has really upped his game in the second half of this year his three-point shooting is finally looking like it's getting closer to what we thought it could be that first year that he hit in the high 30s and then he regressed down into the low 30s for a couple of years and he just has a little bit more size in a great place obviously in phoenix to do what he does but just such a well-rounded game at this point a guy who really now has moved into not having any weaknesses um you know maybe on a switch you might go after him but he's not he's not like a wallflower there like he can at least not get bowled over he's got some good strength like you'll have to help him eventually but it's not a five alarm fire the moment he gets switched onto a good offensive player the way some of these other guys that's the case for and he's got more off-ball game than any of these guys other guys in this group so he's may not be like the offensive engine quite in a way these other guys are but i do think he's right there with him when you consider the defense and the additional versatility and the off-ball game who was the toughest omission for you or were there any tough omissions from these groups? I mean, you did well, it more did, thematically, which you, I think. Where did you have Booker again before we, we get to that? I had book. I had Booker in this next group. Um, so I, I, had a, I had a collection there. So I guess I, if you had to pick a number, I'd have him 13 right behind Paul George. Okay. That's exactly what I had him as a, as also. Yeah. And so you had George at 12. Yes. Where did, where did you have Dame? 
I had Dame at 16. Okay, yeah, and I had him at 14. In, so, yeah, yeah the toughest... This is, a ma- this is a massive group that I, I was really happy it wasn't in the top 10 because I had trouble making heads or tails of it. Because yeah, remember, so... like, I had hard... I had I had Harden over I had Harden over Booker a few like a few weeks ago, and as especially with how well Devin Booker has played, like I just I just realized I, I'm like I'm underselling what he has done this year, so I've moved him over Harden, and he's higher in this group. Yeah, and, and Harden uh, just continues to become more of a caricature as sure. well. Um, like I haven't what he's done in Philly has not raised his ranking here. We'll put it that way. So let's see here. I would say the two players who have the highest upside that I eliminate from this tier are anthony davis and Kyrie irving yeah i have them both in this kind of like big block but but just the issues with their availability davis's inability to hit a jump shot and Kyrie's well, and, and like i had Dave, not being i had available for i had davis sixth last year and a portion of that is just that what he did in the bubble just now we're, we're getting more yeah. data that that the shooting was not just who he is but and you know the available just not at the same level either I, on the defensive right. end as an alley-oop finisher moving his feet uh just doesn't like that, have the that, same that's the big part of it for me is that davis when he's been on the floor has been far worse than he was the last yeah. couple of years he, he it's not as much rickety out there i agree and he still is very effective he's had moments of great effectiveness and if you could assure me that he would be fully healthy and stay so all season i would probably think about him as possibly being as high as the tatum and george group but sure it's just both in terms as you mentioned in terms of performance and availability and perhaps his form performance is down because of the nagging injuries but yeah it's just so i had davis and and this next group i didn't order him quite as tight in the 15 to 22 but so i guess and honestly like i I felt like there was a pretty clear delineation maybe chris paul was the one guy because i did have him in the same tier as lillard and Ja in the point guard rankings and and in the same tier as trey as well and i guess i just maybe part of chris paul's value which is crazy to say for a guy his age is his ability to like come in and be a leader and not take games off in the regular season and make sure that you're going to compete every game and like this great mentality that the Suns have had is a big part of, of what he's done but yeah I do wonder about his ability to just be as you say undeniable if the other team can switch I'm not sure that he's really capable of creating against the best defenses he's can struggle to finish a lot at the rim as well his usage is below 20 percent and he still is to me I ranked him I think as the third best pass in the NBA you might have had him as two I can't remember whether you had him or Trey Jokic I think was one for me so that's still really big and he does provide something on defense even if he can't really guard on the perimeter anymore but he's got some toughness like he can he's not going to get bowled over in the post or anything like that but there just wasn't maybe I just rethought it after having him in the same tier in the point guard rankings and actually having him above Lillard but I, I guess that's the reason is I just as crazy as it is to say I see him as a little bit more of a regular season player uh, I mean clearly you could say all right he's older and and you think he might decline it's funny too because i well, actually had nate, him yeah yeah well nate here's an argument a kind of a counter on uh, like i have i have like i had challenges with that with um drew holiday and chris paul who i have I, who i because you know i like, do i have in this brass and so chris paul in crunch time which i guess you could argue is the closest calibrator to this playoff crucible you know we're, we're not dealing with a huge sample here especially you know the suns have been extremely good in crunch time but 
Chris Paul, in those circumstances, within five in the last five minutes, 30 usage, 70% true shooting this year. That's about the same as Devin Booker. Yeah, yeah. But, these, but also, crunch time in the regular season is him trying to take over, him playing at a playoff level, but playing against teams that have, most of them are just going to play a conventional pick-and-roll defense, and he wasn't yeah, that's t- and and have weaker talent top to bottom in general, right. just because you're cutting half the team league out for the playoffs. Yeah, so I, I, I'm not, there's just a feeling when I really thought about it, of like, all right, is Chris Paul really as good as Damian Lillard and Booker and Morant and Young? And I don't know, we'll see. He could have an unbelievable playoffs this year, and I'll have egg on my face for sure. And he kind of was robbed. He had his moments. He had that huge 40-point game in the game six against the Clippers, for example. But a lot of it, he was robbed of the ability to do that because of the injuries and then the COVID diagnosis last year to really and then he obviously carved carved up the nugget mercilessly but that also wasn't a real playoff defense um you know I also had Jimmy Butler in this group Butler to me and it's crazy to think about this because he was so good in the bubble but I think he just as a guy who gets way worse in the playoffs and just see his struggles against the Bucks struggles against teams with length like you just you can't give him the ball to create offense in the same way that you even can someone like Tatum or George not to mention and then kind of regretting having Butler in the same tier as Tatum or George now and the impact metrics love Jimmy Butler but Butler also isn't like a great on-ball defender anymore either that you're just putting on the best guy all the time and so I just he's a really good player but I also what is the thing that he does that you just can't deal with if you're right. a really good defense that's that's my question he doesn't have it, nearly the same usage as some of these guys either he's you want to talk about being reliant and getting to the foul line you know, <laughs> he is really reliant on getting to the foul line he can't even make he's one of the worst jump shooters in the league so yeah that that's why I didn't have him higher um now I think maybe some people would say why is Donovan Mitchell not in the young Morant Booker Lillard group he doesn't generate high level off offense at the same rate that they do and that's much my take on it yeah unfortunately i hopefully I, i'm trying not to let my view of him be covered colored by seeing him a bunch of times in the last week when he's been dealing with this ankle issue and try to consider holistically his season but to me he still is not quite the iso guy that booker is he's if you put john morant on the jazz i think that john morant would have better stats than him he's he, mitchell is a decent passer but not a great one to me i would consider him probably the worst passer of that young morant booker lillard group maybe he and he and uh booker might be arguable and then he and he's gotten better with his mid-range game and his floater but i'm also just not a believer in his ability as well to get to that like magical level of efficiency either like that that's been a struggle for him now he's gotten so much better inside the arc this year like if you were just hitting his normal three-pointers at in the high 30s then maybe that'd be different and he does cause a lot of problems with his off the bounce three-point shooting and he's also had two really good playoff runs in a row before he got hurt last year but the the another thing too is just his defense i think is among the worst of that group and he's doing that at shooting guard not at point guard and maybe he could play point guard and things would be different but we haven't seen him in that role for a full season and being that the level of distributor that you need to be over a full season so that that's why he's lower to me and i i will note so i have mitchell in this kind of you you and i drew the tears differently i have him in this kind of gigantic group from 12 to 21 along with a lot of these guys that we're talking about and and with booker or sorry with with mitchell again this is filing away more than like a definitive argument here i have been impressed because you and i over the for good reason i've talked a lot about the conley gobert kind of 
the 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 those teams just crunch crushing bench units. It isn't just start. It isn't just backup minutes because of all the time that Conley missed. But when Mitchell has been on the floor without Mike Conley this year, the Jazz offense has been top notch. They've been one twenty one point four, and they Clarkson. They have some other guys that can be a part of that. And so if I'm if you pull Clarkson from that group, so then you're really saying that it's just Donovan Mitchell is the guy that's grading. Like then it drops from a 121.4 to all the way down to a 120.7, which is still completely ridiculous. So like, I, I think that we're like, it, it, he hasn't had that opportunity, but I think that opportunity could present itself. Like I, I'm feeling weird about having Mitchell below Harden in my rankings. And I had him, I had Booker below Harden too. Yeah. Yeah. Harden, I guess there's, he still is an amazing passer. I don't think he can beat a good switch defense anymore. He's incredibly reliant on getting fouled. Actually, Ben Taylor had an interesting observation that he's getting an exceedingly friendly whistle since he got to Philly. And I haven't really seen anything that he's doing to earn those in particular. And he's been totally inconsistent in Philly as well. The step back waxes and wanes. He's now one of the worst finishers at the rim in the NBA for among high volume guys. We've talked about that issue as well. And then, of course, the defense and the structural issues with his defense, having to switch, not being able to get over a screen. That's only gotten worse most of the way. Not always being in great shape. A little bit more of an injury risk now than he's been in the past. Like I, I had him at the very bottom to me. Actually ranked number 22 overall. I have him below Mitchell. I have him below Irving. And then the other two guys we haven't mentioned in this group are Bam and Rudy Gobert, who I also had here in the basically kind of the high teens area. Yeah, and I had... I had Carl Anthony Towns here, but we we had that discussion during the center yeah. rankings. People can listen to it there. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's basically I have Towns a tier down, and yeah, that's a public pod. You can listen to it. But basically, just to summarize, my thought is because he plays such an important offensive or defensive position, and he I think is an order of magnitude order of magnitude worse defensively. And yeah, you know, the Wolves have had some decent defenses, but they've been doing that with a ton of turnovers. They have to get Carl Anthony Towns off out on the floor, like he's not capable of playing a drop coverage he's largely not going to switch unless it's very late clock and yeah you might be able to cobble together chris finch deserves a ton of credit for cobbling together a decent not a good but a decent regular season defense this year but they've done that in spite of crawling even if you want to say that he's gotten better the odds of him becoming a quality option defensively in the next year are just not very high so i i'm of the belief that you're going to win some games but he's the only player maybe the first player on this list where i would say hey if he's one of your best players like you just can't win a championship because of the defensive out so that to me is a and he's not still on the level of a Jokic offensively either though he is very very good and might even be a top 10 offensive player in the NBA but it's just the nature of the center position and um and I I have for years I have said what an incredibly effective offensive player Carl Anthony Towns is but I you know I have him in the low 20 um and that's why I have him below Gobert I think you had him above Gobert and and no I I had just just for the point of clarity I have I have Towns below Gobert and I have I just have them in the same tier in this as oh, I good, did in okay. the center pod. Yeah, and I think you had Bam below both those guys. Is that, is that correct? I did, correct. Yeah. yeah, and Bam, just his defensive versatility is really awesome. He's a solid offensive player as well and has a lot of versatility on the, on the offensive end. He's improved as a rim protector this year as well. Just a guy who I think can fit in as on any team as the center and, and really help you Um, and, and just really push your offense or defense to the next level in an additive way without taking anything off the table really. Other 
than the fact that he doesn't really shoot very well outside of 15 so that that i've mentioned everyone that's in like that tier and then we'll briefly talk about this is supposed to be top 10 players so you know we, we don't have to go too far here and we'll have some other guys that we want to hit on who are you know omissions that we probably need to discuss draymond green was in the uh low 20s for me he was the best defensive player in basketball to me over the first two months two and a half months of the season i think he when healthy is probably the best playoff defensive player you might say that, that that's Giannis, but he's right up there and obviously add something uh i would probably lower him down because on a random team he would be less effective than on the warriors you and i've talked about that a lot but he's a deserving all-star level of player this year and would have been in the all nba mix as a possible top 15 player in theory in the nba this season so i think i'll lower him down some due to the lack of versatility and being a little older and being more of a playoff guy historically but i think he still has to be you know right in the lower end of the top 25 demar Derozan, if we were just ranking this regular season would obviously be much higher he he's fallen off a little bit we'll have to go through the stats in excruciating detail when we do our awards picks in the near future but the a few things i mean there's all the things that were an issue right like last year he wasn't even sniffing this area for me so this is moving him up significantly i do think the mid-range shooting was fluky he is a big time problem on the defensive end he can't guard any position i guess his best defensive position is the four but you really struggle to put together a good defense around him that is continued to manifest as this season has gone on so and he can't shoot threes as well you know you're not going to just leave him but that does make it harder to build around as well another guy who's reliant to some degree on foul drawing so you can scout that in the playoffs it's been a while since we've seen him in the playoffs he's never really had a good playoffs but he, i think there's an argument that he's a different player and if you there if he has like an unbelievable playoff series they're going to lose anyway obviously in the first round almost certainly unless there's an injury but if you are if he goes through and, and they play against a really good defense and he has an awesome playoffs i would consider moving him up but i just wasn't willing to do that on the strength of one regular season at age 32 where his mid-range shooting was so far above where it's been for any any other guys like we really need to talk about here um i, I, know, I had like so. drew no. in this range uh jalen brown sure. zach levine you have drew higher right do you have no i have drew in the, i have drew I have Drew in this range as well. Okay. And, um, and, and CP. We talked about that before. Any other guys that we haven't talked about that you think you know people would be like, all right, where's this guy that, that we need to hit on? Not particularly, honestly. Um, I, One of the things that I do in preparation for this is I go, I kind of, I put in players, maybe Zach Levine for some people. Yeah. He, he was in this group for me, you know, in the, yeah. like the, the mid twenties. Yeah. Um, you know, Jay, Jalen Braun was there too. He's had a little bit of a disappointing season from an efficiency standpoint just kind of write about league average this year but still a, a guy who plays a premium position and doesn't have a ton of weaknesses um i guess bradley beal to me you know a guy who's in in theory gonna get this no-brainer 35 percent max contract not being in the top 25 and that's talking about right now he probably would have been more in this this group in like the mid-20s if he played the way he did last year but his shot just really fell off this year and that was a little bit concerning and just the idea that he's gonna be even an over 35 percent three-point shooter going forward much less the 40 percent guy that he was for a couple of years that just seems to have kind of sailed he also had a huge drop off in free throw rate this year as well that and he just he never played it even he didn't make the all-star team and didn't deserve to make the all-star team. he just didn't play at that level this year and i thought he was kind of on the lower end of this group even before that how about uh, Pascal 
Pascal Siakam. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I had him. I had him lower. I mean, I I had actually had him fifth among among power forwards. So I mean, he's. He, I I think he could rise with a strong playoffs and a strong that regular Pascal season. Pascal NBA. You, you don't think so? Or that that's the new one now. That's that at least flows a little better than Freddie All Star. Plus, Pascal has made All NBA before at least. So yeah, Pascal NBA. That's like you know okay. The, the, I'll give you that. Raptors announcers and fan, but nonetheless, he's like he's just not anywhere close to this level in the impact mix this year. And Fair. I think he's he's a a good supporting player, but still not a guy who's driving efficient offense for your team necessarily. He just he's to me is like a very lower end All Star type of guy would probably be like right at the beginning of this of the next group where i didn't rank him brandon ingram i probably would say about the same he's someone who could maybe get into this level in like the mid-20s with just a, a little bit more of a performance jamal murray just haven't seen him in long enough like he was he was kind of in this group last year but we just haven't seen him in a year he's coming off the acl so it's a, a little bit early to get him back into that group yet zion was number 14 for me last year just who knows when the hell he's gonna play again if he if he's back out there and he's the same guys last year he'll be right up in the he'll leapfrog a bunch of these guys and you know a few other guys like Shea gilgis alexander darius garland we just haven't seen them ever in the playoffs to do anything to where you know chris middleton is is different um but he also in the impact metrics is never ranked that highly he's not a great iso guy he's just kind of a more of a supporting player like a number three and that's mm-hmm. you know, about where he deserves to be um, and he was just the third best player in the championship team and i think that's about right yeah who did you struggle or, well who are your biggest followers from last year i mean the most impactful one is lebron james i mean lebron going from number one to number eight yeah i had lebron not only did i have number one i had him number one in his own tier and and i also had anthony davis number four last year and he's now 16 for me so that's i just the the bubble and and, i mean not only the bubble but also remember when we did this last year davis and lebron were both hurt coming off injuries davis hadn't played very well lebron had but they both were championship players who when they're healthy the lakers were out to a 21 and 6 record last year and it's just right. their fall mirrors the fall of the Lakers and obviously if they had better players around them maybe they could be in position to play better but then also the injuries as well is a big part of it and yeah yeah and you and there is always this concern when putting these together and knowing that it will be there for posterity even if it's more for our own like thinking of it because we go back and re and and recap this but it's like you, so you wonder if you overreacted to the recent sample and just like you know like we're looking at it now I'm like oh man after the bubble and everything else that those those numbers looked high but you have to kind of square it with the analysis and, and what you what you think is there and so for for me with LeBron there is a distinct chance that I will see him as a top five player next year but I think there's a distinct chance that he's going to be you know that that next year that's the whole point of this exercise is that next year he'll look like a top ten player but not a top five and we have to reconcile all of those all of those different things i thought one of the most interesting parts looking back on my rankings from last year i had a i had a three player second tier so it was my four five and six Steph Curry, Giannis, and Anthony Davis. Giannis jumped from five to one and into the top tier for both of us. Steph Curry stayed kind of where he was, and Anthony Davis went from six to 15 on mine. And so it was the idea that, like, it was moving ground, but everybody went in different directions. And then Curry kind of like Luca rose to meet him. And then, you know, the Jokic and Bede stuff, like, they each took a rise as well for me, though a more modest one. Yeah, Steph went from three to five for me this year. James Harden was number 11, which I think was controversial that he was that low 
low last year and remember he was like getting mvp talk with kd out and he was so good for the nets last year and just ever since the hamstring just has not been anywhere close to that level he's had moments of brilliance and maybe that's due to the hamstring and it'll feel good some days other days it's not or you know who knows what it is but just hasn't been overall at that same level so he's down at 22 and hang on for dear life at that level i would say frankly right now zion obviously was a huge drop due to just the injury concerns how about big risers a lot of big risers this year was lot part of, part of why risers. i was like man this this list kind of sucked uh last <laughs> year i mean you know now keep in mind it's not supposed to predict what our ranking will be last year but even if you did this list even after the playoffs last year you know because it's kind of supposed to be predictive of what's going to happen in this year's playoffs and how well guys are going to play if healthy sure. you know it, we did not succeed I, or at least i didn't you did better because you had kd higher than me yeah um, i had i had kd and Kawhi in tier one along with lebron yeah, and i i had Kawhi two last year he's three this year kd is five so he's a big riser for me he went from five to one yeah and he went from three to two in the same yeah. tier for me Giannis and, and going recall when we did this last year kd was injured right he yes he, he came was. back he was playing at a really nice level but then he went down and he wasn't going to come back until like right before the playoffs and so you were just wondering what that was going to look like and we just i he the new kd after the achilles hadn't been stress tested in the playoffs and yeah i'd say you know the 48 points in 48 minutes in game five against the all-time great defense of the bucks that, that that was a reasonable stress not bad and i mean Giannis going from five to one for me that is the most impactful it's not Massive. the largest yeah. numerically but him being the best player in the finals and being the, putting together a phenomenal finals like even if you ignore the context of his injury like that was one of the better finals performances we've seen yep. in recent vintage went, went um, from six to two for for me luca is up from eight to four yeah lucas did that made that exact same jump for me um and, and just I, I mean the reason for that being a great series against the clippers almost took them down as a one-man band and that was that is the team that probably matched up best with him in the whole league and then i think he's just been even more unstoppable after january this year he looks to be on the trajectory of being even better so that's uh i think he's he's gonna be a, he's gonna have a wonderful playoffs my prediction yeah and then my trio um from 9 10 and 11 of trey young jason tatum and john morant none of those guys were in my top 13 last year that's where i stopped ranking trey was in the also considered jason tatum and john morant were in the others who could join soonish they did join soonish that's the way it worked out for them but big rises from them as well yep yeah i felt the same about them let's see did anyone else have a big rise for me booker for me uh yeah i had booker at 17 last year 13 this year so you know kind of the the sort of incremental rise you'd expect as a guy is moving into his prime hardest to rank for you this year lebron yeah i think that's that's a good one i i i i do this thing of like moving guys around and seeing what feels right and everywhere felt wrong with him and that's yeah. why i ended up with him in a tier by himself is just like i don't know what the world to do with this yeah that's a good one stuff is another one as well Kawhi was one just who we haven't seen him in a while cp actually was was a difficult guy for for me to rank because he just the whole like undeniability thing about him and his ability to beat switches and he's just not the same athlete but you know he still does get these results and has these great cl clutch results and i just but he's got below 20 percent usage and just how to and he obviously has a huge reputation as well so just how to deal with a, a, all of that was difficult for me Kyrie is tough just because he could come back and, and just be a monster again i think it, it'll be hopefully the nets will make the playoffs and we can see him in the in the playoffs this year at least derozan was a tough 
one just because he's been much better than the level I ranked him at during this regular season and so just how much to weight that was a question mark Draymond is a tough one as well because Mm -hmm. I think on the Warriors just the value that he delivers to the Warriors I think he is a top 25 player when healthy or at least was this year but then there's the he's getting older and what would he look like on a different team without Steph offensively those those are questions as well who needs to have an awesome postseason this year to kind of validate their or could really move up with a good post year i it's funny to say considering how high he already is but luca i mean yeah he could be number one next year it's possible or at least in tier one i I don't think at least in tier. yeah i'm not sure there's anything he could do to be number one next year Uh, maybe he could be number one next year but but he wouldn't be or I, i guess we should even say like at the end of the playoffs um you know steph i think has a lot of pressure on him Mm-hmm. you're right as do the warriors in general like they they could I mean, at least they don't have to play dallas so they'll be favored in the first round but stuff he's gonna need to come back he's gonna need to be healthy and he's gonna need to make shots at the way that he has in the past to validate this ranking for sure like this is a bet that yeah. he's gonna have a really nice playoffs if he doesn't then he's gonna have to be a lot lower at this point um john morant obviously particularly given sure. the high seed of the grizz and that he's gonna have in theory two to three series to prove something like he could we could be talking about him in the top five right like i could i could see myself if he does well enough in these playoffs i could see him vaulting above Jokic and Embiid and lebron very easy i i could also see devin booker rise meaningfully with a really nice playoff run like i have him at 13 now and for him to move into that kind of top 10 group wouldn't take much at all anthony davis oh wait no sorry not will not be in the playoffs uh so you know carl anthony Tate, towns would be an interesting one actually like towns, he's, and, and they're I was, gonna be in the playoffs i was gonna say tatum like we know yeah. i don't unfortunately you and i both think we're not going to get robert williams at all much less robert williams at the peak of his powers but if he can push the celtics be the best player in their first round series and potentially even be in the mix in their second round series i could see him moving into that Jokic and b tier at the bare minimum yeah, that's that's a possibility. And Towns, we've only seen him in one playoff series. I mean, that's another reason why it's hard to rank him higher that he's had one shitty playoff series in 2018, and that's it. So maybe maybe my assumptions about him will be wrong. I mean, they're gonna play probably Memphis. So you know, if he's like can actually hold up okay against John Morant and like you know really drive the Wolves to have efficient offense against the Grizz and, and they they make that a really good series and he has a great series, then yeah, you know I, I could see him being above Bam and Gobert. Speaking of which, Jimmy. Butler Butler and Bam have a lot of pressure on them in these playoffs mm-hmm. as well. The Heat seem to have righted the ship now that they actually are playing their good players again uh, on the second unit, and they, they seem to have found things. Maybe that conflict was good. DeRozan, obviously, is, is another guy. Um let's see yeah all right i think i think that's uh that's about all we got here um i will give us some credit though last year our answers to who has the most upward or downward mobility we said uh or at least i don't know if you agree you probably would have agreed with me or you had katie higher already i said katie could go up and he did and i said ad could have a lot of downward mobility and uh yeah that's uh that was correct on, on both both counts well this is fun thanks so much for joining again if you want to subscribe jump in never been a better time to do that we're gonna have awards coming up we're gonna have the playoffs we're gonna have the offseason we do offseason outlooks for all 30 teams we're gonna do scouting reports on a bunch of guys in the draft and of course we'll do the mock offseason and give you analysis of every deal every signing if you're a total access subscriber you'll get our salary sheets access as well updated live for signings during the draft and during free agency so yeah please uh, give it a shot link is in the show notes and we'll talk to you all very soon till then 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.